Thanks so much, Ben. I really appreciate you guys and all your hard work. Um, these guys are here at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Sundays practicing, so I just want to say thank you um, to them for all the hard work they put in and uh, making worship such a meaningful experience for all of us here at Connection. Uh, thanks so much. Um, these past four weeks we've been in the book of Revelation. I, I get the privilege of finishing it off tonight, and I'm really excited about that and thankful for it. Um, I forget who it was, but I was talking to someone earlier tonight, and you've probably heard me mention it before, but I just moved here this past summer from Tennessee, and uh, maybe it's a little lame to knock Kentucky. I feel like it's kind of overdone, but whenever I was, Derek is shaking his head no. Um, who's from Kentucky in here? I know Bob's from Kentucky. Uh, all right. But uh, so driving here from Tennessee, to, I have to drive through Kentucky for like six hours, and that is a long trip. And Kentucky is really outside of Louisville and Lexington. It's a pretty boring place. I mean, the gas is always really cheap because no one ever goes there, so that's kind of nice. But uh, man, Kentucky is a long state to drive through. And so to help that time pass a little more quickly, I discovered books on tape. And one of the books on tape that I listened to, I guess I should say books on CD, but books on tape is like what I grew up on. So I have to, I have to use that term, right? Uh, who's read The Hunger Games? Man. So I heard all this hype about The Hunger Games, and I'm not really a big fiction person. Pretty much my reading consists of like Christian literature and the running website letsrun.com. I know you guys are out there. Raise your hand if you like letsrun.com. I know I'm not alone. You're afraid to raise your hands. But uh, maybe no one, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, but uh, it's a running website for huge like athletics nerds such as myself. But uh, so I was a little skeptical about this Hunger Games thing, but I was like, you know what? My wife got me the book on tape to listen to, so I'm going to do it. And honestly, I drove all the way from Tennessee to Indiana and sat in the church parking lot in my car when I arrived because I didn't want to stop listening to it. <laughs> the story was like so engaging. The characters are like rich, and there's such drama in this plot, like life and death, life and death. Death, yo. Um, life and death situations, and um, I won't. I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but it's kind of a competitive situation where people who may be romantically involved may have to kill each other to win and save their lives and help their family. And I was so torn. I didn't know what I wanted to happen. And part of me wanted to just take out the CD there in the middle and put in the one at the very end, because when I was a kid. I like to impress people by all the books. I'm such not into literature. I would read these books called Great Illustrated Classics where they would take like the Robinson Crusoe story that's like 500 pages and condense it down to like 150. And there'd be a picture every other page and really ridiculously huge type. So people would be like, oh, so what have you been up to? I'd be like, well, you know, I read Tale of Two Cities this week. It took me like two days. Gosh. But I was totally cheating. But even in those small books, Sometimes I'd get halfway through and I'd be like, unable to contain myself, wanting to know what happened so bad that I would skip through the last page and like figure out what happened. I'd be like, okay, I can enjoy this. And, uh, and that's exactly how I felt with The Hunger Games. I just wanted to know how it finished. Um, and honestly, I can say that that is often the way I've approached the book of Revelation. Because the book of Revelation is confusing. There are these rich images um, that represents spiritual realities. Um, it's a letter written by an exiled hero of the faith to a struggling church, people who are being persecuted, going through very real torture, even death as a result of standing up to the emperor for refusing to worship him. Um, 
the dominant political leader of the time. And as we've seen these past few weeks, the book of Revelation shows that while sin no longer reigns because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it still does have power in the world. Um, as Dan and John shared, there is a real cosmic battle going on, and we in the church are not immune to it. Um, it affects us from without. There's persecution of the church, and it affects us from within. Um, sometimes our own resolution to follow God falters. Uh, there's damage from our sin within us. Um, there's deception from Satan. And it really does affect our lives. And so I think that when I, when I look at the book of Revelation, there's so many times where I just want to skip forward to the end and see, okay, let's see how God is going to work all this out. Because there's a lot in here that I can't understand. But we take a lot of power out of the ending when we just skip straight to the ending. So we needed to go through all this. Um, looking back at the very beginning of the book of Revelation, there's a phrase that we hear all the, all the time. Um, John records this in chapter 1, verse 8. God says this to John in a vision. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And I was talking to Bob earlier this week, and he's like, so what are you going to talk about? And I was like, I don't know, Book of Revelation? And I was telling him, I was like, you know, what's something that really impresses me that is that someday the God who was and is and is to come is no longer going to be the God who is to come. It's going to be the God who was and is, and God is going to be the realest thing in all of existence. There's going to be no more waiting. He is going to be the reality to think that God will only be the past and the present, and that there's no more waiting. He is our reality. That blows my mind. The infinite nature of God is something that I can't wrap my head around. Maybe that's one of those questions you tossed around when you were a kid, but it's still a question that I'm tossing around in my mind now, and I don't think that's ever going to stop. Um, something that Bob said to me that really stuck out is he was like, man, this kind of reminds me of 1 Corinthians 13, 12 through 13. Listen to these verses. Um, this is Paul talking about the difference between our present reality that we live in now and the reality that will be when Christ comes again. Verses 12 and 13 of uh, the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And uh, that is just an amazing verse. Oftentimes when I think of it, I'm like, so what is Paul trying to say? Is he saying that love is greater than faith and hope? And something that Bob helped me to understand is that Paul wasn't necessarily talking about greatest in quality, but that love is greatest in its enduring nature and its infinite nature. And uh, I think that that is something that really is going to be helpful for us to think about when looking at uh, this last um, two chapters of Revelation. Um, there will be a day when faith and hope are no longer necessary. If I told you, imagine a day where you're no longer going to have to have faith and that there's going to be no hope. It's like, wow, that sounds absolutely horrible. <laughs> but if God is real and he's the ultimate reality, then that is going to be true. Uh, a definition of hope from Hebrews 11, verse 1. Um, sorry, this is a defini definition of faith from Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then Paul summarizes hope in Romans 8, 24 to 25. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. 
And so, like Paul says, now we see a poor reflection in a mirror, but there will be a day when God is the most real and clear and tangible thing, the most tangible presence that we can see and experience. Kind of like uh, Rob leading us in worship this morning, before we started singing from Psalm 136, lists all these characteristics about God, and then in a refrain, 26 different times, his love endures forever. Um, God's love endures forever. And so, let's look up. Let's look at Revelation 21. This is Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8. You can open up your Bible if you have one. So this is, this is on the day, um, the day of fulfillment, 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. I read a quote in preparing for this, and the author Graham Goldsworthy, um, a great Bible scholar, said, Hope without a time of fulfillment is a delusion. And I think that if all of us are honest, there are times when we've thought, Man, like, I hope I get to the end and I haven't been delusional. I hope that all these things that I'm believing and investing myself in are truth. And you know what? I wish I could say that there is no shadow of a doubt and that I've completely moved past that, but my faith is imperfect. And there are still times when shadows of doubt do creep in. Although, by God's grace, I feel like he has given me some strong faith in him through his gift of that faith. But doubts still are present. They do creep in. But reading about this day of fulfillment and thinking about all of the implications of that um, is just so powerful. And uh, I love it how John um, shares this vision and speaking to the church. Think about this. God will dwell with men and all things will be made new. I can't entirely comprehend what that's going to look like, but he gives us a few hints. God will live with man. Think about that. God will dwell with men. He will wipe away every tear. The old order of things will have passed away. Imagine how that must have felt to hear that to the people who were receiving this letter under the extreme persecution and torture they were going through. To know that someday the God of the universe was going to be real and tangible right there in front of them. And, uh, and that it wasn't just an idea that they were building their lives around. That this God is the living God whose spirit is working in them and through them. And one day he will return and make all things new, make all things right. The old order will be gone. And this prophecy is just as much for us as it is for them. There's going to be a day when all these things that we believe in, all these things that we hope for, that seem like distant realities, are going to be the most real thing that they are. Um, 
sometimes our faith in God feels like this kind of nebulous relationship where it's bouncing around in our head and you hear people talk about, oh, so how's your relationship with God going? It's like, well, I've never really met him, but, you know, I believe in him and I have faith in him and I can look at different things in my life and see that he's had a hand in it. But, you know, I'm doing the best I can to figure out how to walk through that. I read scripture, but it's really hard to think about having a relationship with God. I mean, if he's really the eternal, perfect, holy creator of the universe, and I'm well aware of how messed up and broken I am, it's hard to think about myself having a strong relationship with him. But on that day that he comes back, all things are going to be made new. Sin is no longer going to have power over us. And it's amazing to think about that. The constant struggles that we go through and our faltering faith. I don't know if you guys are like me, but I wear myself out with my own crap. Some days I'm like, I am just so sick of myself because I want to be this person, but I can't do it. I, I don't want to share too much. But there's one time, it was like two weeks ago, and I was talking to my wife, and I'm like, Brittany... I know I'm being a jerk. And I was like, I'm sorry, I can't help it. I don't want to be a jerk, but there's nothing I can do about it. And you know, through prayer, God can work on my heart. But it doesn't change the fact that there's still going to be moments where I am weak and I'm self-centered. And it gives me a lot of hope to know that there's going to be a day when my sin is no longer going to be wearing me out. And that all of my life is going to be worshiping God and seeing Him clearly and tangibly for who He is. And when that happens, our hearts are, our hearts are never going to be the same. Um, and so he goes on to say, I love it when God says these really powerful things. It is done. Can you imagine that? It is done. After everything we've read in the Bible, God is the Alpha and the Omega. There's a day when it is completely clear that God reigns and always has been and always will be. You know, it's kind of hard to read, uh, to, to read that verse and think like, you know what? I think the Bible is all about me and me being a better me. This ending is so clear. Like, God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Sometimes I think of God as a means to an end. You know, like, I'm going to pursue my relationship with God so I can feel good about myself. And like I'm being a better person and that I'm really balanced in the way I'm doing things. But if I'm using God for anything, if my relationship with Him is built on anything other than worshiping Him for His glory, for who He is, um, and giving my heart to Him to the best of my ability to recognize that, then, then I'm deceiving myself. God is the ultimate reality, and one day that's going to be extremely clear, and that's totally shown here in Revelation 21. And so this passage is extremely comforting, yet extremely challenging. Um, how he goes on to say, to those who are thirsty, they will receive living water. Um, what are you thirsty for? Um, there's so many things that the world tells us will satisfy that thirst in our lives. You know, is it that job that you've been yearning after? Is it that relationship? Is it harmony? Is it peace? Knowing that all your ducks are in a row for after you graduate. That your relationship with your family you know, I imagine the people who are receiving this letter were going through things. I don't want to make any judgments or assumptions, but I have never been tortured or deceived. I mean, I've never been tortured or to the point of death for my faith in Christ. But uh, to be able f for him to say that to those who are thirsty, they will receive water um, that will lead to eternal life. That is a powerful statement. Um, and so 
when we look to this, the answer is, if you thirst after Christ, if you look to him in faith, you're a son. Um, but those who don't look to Christ in faith will experience the second death. Um, all those groups of people that he listed there. Um, and so I think the challenge for us is to look to our hearts. What is the thirst in your heart leading you to? Um, does the thirst in your heart lead you to Christ? Um, or does it lead you to a false God that's never going to satisfy you? And so if you're someone out there who's never really trusted in Christ, maybe this is a time for you really to think about what is it that is most important to me? What am I building my life on? What am I looking for to fill that thirst that every day I feel like is there and I need to pour something into it? Um, Christ satisfies. Um, and so I want to enc- encourage you to really think about that. If you do trust Christ, are there any functional saviors in your life? Are these things that have a hold of your heart um, keeping you from really giving yourself fully to him? Is it your comfort? Is it your safety? Is it control? Is it affluence? Is it your plan for how your future should go? Are you like the church in Sardis in Revelation that um, is addressed in the third chapter of Revelation? um, Where he says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation for being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. I can catch myself like that sometimes where I'll have these activities that might be cloaked in a veil of religious obedience, but it's not being driven from my heart. It's not being driven um, from that relationship of faith and repentance, holding fast to the gospel. So let me challenge you. Preach the gospel to yourself every day that who you are is a result of who you are in Christ um, and that that's where your identity is and that that's where your hope is forever. And that's what your thirst is leading you to, the only thing that is ever going to satisfy you. Um, And so my prayer for you guys is that God's Spirit would sustain your faith and strengthen you um, as you fulfill His call on your life until that day. Um, And so I believe that the book of Revelation and who it's written to offers so much. And we can dig in deep to this. And I'm really thankful that we've been able to study it and you guys have figured out a ton of this stuff because, man, I can't wrap my mind around all these scrolls and crazy creatures with 17 eyes and numbers that mean different things. But uh, as we've worked through this, I really feel like it has pointed us to the redemption that is in Christ Jesus and how that's going to be our reality at the end of days. And so um, we're going to have a time of question and answer, but let me pray for you guys here real quick um, before we move into that. Um, so this is my prayer for you from the book of Jude. Um, Please pray with me. Um, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Father, we thank you for your word in the book of Revelation. Uh, the way that you speak to us, Lord, um, looking at the ending and knowing that you're over all of that, that your hand is in it, from beginning to the end, Lord, and that seeing you as our creator, our sustainer, and our hope forever um, is something that should impact our lives every day. We pray that you'd help us to remember your gospel, Lord, that it's um, solely by your work for us in Christ um, that we are justified in you, Lord. We thank you for the faith that you've given us, and we pray that you would sustain us in your spirit as you promise in your word. pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Come on up, fellas.
Oh yeah, I'm going to do it. Any question you guys have in the book of Revelation, I'm going to answer it now. So, just kidding. Uh, we, we kind of thought it would be fun if you guys have... Get up here. So, are there any questions that we didn't cover from the book of Revelation? You've heard me talk enough, so I'm going to back off at this time. 